In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut to it, cut to it, let's get down to it, cut to it. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Did you just open a drink? What's going on, Smitty? How you hey, doing? I'm excited for this one. This is going to be a good one. Oh, so, yeah. Dan Campbell, recently hired as the Detroit Lions head coach. I want to play the audio of his press conference as he got introduced as the new head coach. And I want to get your reactions to this. All right. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right. And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right. And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap and we're going to get up. And then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. <laughs> I'm sorry. What's your, what's, what's your reaction to that, man? Uh, let's break it down. Let's, let's shout. Shall we? Yeah, let's go ahead. You, you, you start. You, you, go with, you go with a line, and then I'll... I mean, for me, number one, what I do you believe... Think he, what do you think he's trying to do? You hear so many of these coaches, man. So many people are so quick to do all the rah-rah stuff, right? Like we want to get people, we want to get people fired up, and Mm -hmm. and as someone who's participating in sports, I get that. However, I like what you said. However, someone who's participated in sports, just the way you said, I like that. However, um, this is comical. It's funny, right? Like you talk, you're talking about getting punched in the face and biting kneecaps off, like. 
for me, I'm, this this isn't something where I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to go and play for this guy. Like this is not getting me going or making me want to say, oh man, I'm going to run through a wall for for this guy. Personally, I'm not getting that. Well, he stated <clears throat> the first time we get knocked out, we get knocked down. We're gonna no the this team is going to be built on. We're gonna kick you in the teeth. You'll punch us back. We're gonna smile at you. Okay, so verbatim so, is what so he just said. So when we get hit in the face, we're gonna smile. <laughs> that was line number one. You know, so we're so, gonna. So you didn't got you didn't got hit. We're gonna kick you in the teeth. Okay. Not that we're gonna hit. We're gonna. Is kick that you a in roundhouse? I, I didn't know we were playing M. I didn't know this was MMA. Yeah. Conor and McGregor just got knocked out anyway. Got right? no, got, <laughs> got that Nate Robinson. Right. So now, so we're gonna. We're gonna kick you in the teeth. Mm-hmm. You punch us back. Mm. So, so you, he's you were prepared. <laughs> so he's already telling you you're gonna you're gonna take that ass whooping. So, so we're gonna kick. They're gonna punch. Pow. We're gonna smile. The hell? I, ain't smiling, <laughs> I, ain't I just got hit, and I'm I'm showing a mouthful of teeth. I done punched a lot of folks. I ain't never seen a smile come out of one of them. So let, let, let's continue. <laughs> Go ahead. When you, when you knock us down, we're gonna get up, and on the way up. We're going to bite a kneecap off. Um, street ball and the MNA. MMA. That's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fight marks. And I got to get it. And I, I got to see your tetanus shot records. Because <laughs> <laughs> first of all. You got rabies. <laughs> first of all, if you bite me, right. that's a problem. Right. But you also smiled when you got hit, so that should. <laughs> I'm, fresh off, I'm fresh off a smile when yeah, I got punched. That should in let the you know. Nah, it ain't a lot upstairs. Uh, let's let's continue to decode okay. this. Okay. After he at, so bang, I hit you in the mouth. I smile. You smile. Then you round. I'm not, and I'm knocked down. By the way, you bang. Then you got hit. On my way up, uh huh. I'm gonna bite your kneecap off. Mm. All right. Then we're going to stand up, and it's gonna take two more shots to knock us down. So now you hit me twice. Bop, bop. No, you got hit by four times. No, this round I think I hit. Yeah, in totality, I've been hit. So, who is he coach of? The Detroit Lions. Okay, is maybe he's trying to play into the narrative of Detroit's a tough town city. I don't think people in Detroit go around. I don't think like getting punched in their face. And they definitely ain't (laughs) smiling. Not in winter. I know in Detroit they'll punch you back. I know that for a fact. They'll rob you too. You ain't gonna smile getting robbed. No. <laughs> Let me get your wallet. <laughs> okay. And then to finish go. up, and then to finish up, he said, and on the way up, we're gonna take your other kneecap. Yeah. And then we're gonna get up, and it's gonna take three shots to get us down. So now I just got punched in my face three times on top of the previous five. Can, can I can I can I jump be, in? Can I be honest and explain and maybe say why he's trying to emphasize a mentality that they have not been mm-hmm. for a long time. Detroit, tough. Tough. But Coach Campbell, mm-hmm. <clears throat> if you are trying to tell men you're recruiting them yeah. to become to come to the Detroit Lions and you are advertising that we're gonna get our ass kicked, <laughs> but we're not gonna we're gonna go down fighting. We're gonna be the last one standing. Yeah. You know what I think of that that kind of coaching that 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 Type of rah rah speech. You big dummy. Yes. <laughs> oh, we we pulling this out the crate. Man, why coming that sorry ass team with that? <laughs> Come on, man. Coach Dan Campbell, you are a recipient of the Cut to It podcast Big Dummy Award. Oh no, you big dummy. Yes, you know why? 
Why is that? Because he is trying to use words, and he is. Everybody knows Detroit is notorious for not really doing what they're supposed to do. That city is a that city is a great city. They mm-hmm. they rally around their sports. Blue collar, blue collar city. Blue collar. But to come in and your you you know fresh off your Joseph A. Bank suit. <laughs> 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 Oh yeah, my chill factor is real low today. I'm I'm coming in hot. Here's a fastball right down the center. Sell the Joseph A. Banks. The jo- three button special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they what got a four. And they got a COVID nineteen sale too. Yeah, he bought all of them, right. all six of them. Right, fresh off the rack. Fresh, no Taylor, none, none. Just, uh-uh. just raw. I'm gonna throw this on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shoot, his uncle had to do the time, and then <laughs> right. Had some Buster Browns shoes, but then you do that, and then he's like, you could tell he's just gassing, he, grasping. I, I think he, he he got in that deep end, yeah, and he didn't know how to swim back out. Didn't know he did. Once he got in, paddling. he's like, all right, I gotta. Uh, we're gonna get punched in the mouth. I'm gonna get knocked down. I'm a I'm a bite. I gotta show my toughness. So we're gonna bite him back. Then I'm gonna. De- I'm gonna get back up. So I, to you your point, going, you know what's you, gonna happen? You want to talk about but, resiliency? Uh, like I I get it. So after that though, right. after that. What's the next storyline? We're going to let Matthew Stafford mm. go to a new team. Right. What kind of coach was Coach Daniel? Uh, Dan, Dan Campbell. Campbell. What kind of coach was he? What was he coaching prior to? Look it up. Let's look it up. We got time. Tight ends coach. Oh, okay. I'll let you know. <laughs> Here's I, I hate to say it this way. I'll probably be at a training camp or doing a game. Mm. Don't set your team up for failure before you on your first day of the job. Yeah, we've seen that before. Uh, four years ago, mm. when somebody got a job and they started <clears throat> making outlandish statements yeah. on the first day of the job, get your feet wet, coach. Yeah. Understand the landscape of the. I, I understand he knows the landscape of the city, mm-hmm. but understand the landscape of your team. You make all those statements, and then your quarterback, who's the future, who can drop a dime pretty right. much anywhere on the field with a broken hand. Statistical leader in passing with the, with and, the Lions. And you come out there, you can be tough all you want, but if you don't win, yeah. the speeches fall on deaf ears. Yep. yep. Coach Cam, I think, it's, I think it's remarkable what you're attempting to do. But your coaching better be better than your weak-ass speeches because you're going to catch mold in a, a Coke and a smile. Right. You're going to catch – you're going to be the we, next guy in Detroit and out of Detroit. Yeah. So, Coach, the next press conference you have. I'm not Kenya. You're a big dummy. <laughs> Just smile and wave. Smile and wave. Who we got? We got C.J. Sapong. It's a special two-part episode. I like C.J., I, le- I learned a lot. It was a great opportunity to talk to him because, um, you know, I love to travel, but he, he 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 gave us a part of his life. He gave us some things that uh, aren't on National Geographics. They aren't on the Discovery Channel, the Travel Channel. They aren't in books. There are <clears> – <throat> it's about the real-life history of CJ's history. And you may not like what you hear. You may not agree with it. But one thing you have, you can't 
discredit is that's his story and that's mm-hmm. his and that's what he experienced and his family has experienced and I and I I love the we had the opportunity to go down CJ's story and I hope you enjoy it it's two part um we talked about a lot of different things but one thing you can't overlook is what CJ and who CJ is and how his family got here so hope you enjoy it let's get to it The first thing we're going to get into is our Get Iced Up segment. All right, you ready? Let's go. Okay, what childish things do you still do as an adult? I continue to record myself dancing. <laughs> so like TikTok or you just do it just to be? I just do it for myself. Just random. random. Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I know... Uh, I've seen a picture of you. You got to make sure that flash on then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. That's why I do it in the morning when the sun's coming up. Just in case. Hey, we got filters for that now. All right? hey, I mean, we don't know that. We, we both light skin, so I'm I mean, a, we don't know. I'm light skin. You're I don't right. know what you're talking about. All right, here hey, we go. Hey, but y'all, y'all be squinting like the flash is on, though. Oh, <laughs> now you trying to go there. Now you trying to go there. Trying to... Everybody ain't got to make the Drake face, you know? <laughs> here we go. All right. Oh, After God. you survived the apocalypse, uh-huh. what would your job be? I would be uh, a botanist because I'm into the agriculture and botanist. all that. So, you know, I would botanist. make sure. I don't know what that is. Explain that to me. As soon as you said it. Botanist, I was... yeah, that's, we'll just say, we'll just call it plant science. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Dumb yeah, that thing down yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Come up is with the school. To play sports, <laughs> with the school, and then happen to learn and happen to play sports. I was more on the sports in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Yep, plant science, man. That's my shit, and it's a it's a good uh, skill that I think you know. Even in this time, uh, yeah. our community, if we if we are able to stay you know true to that, we won't be as reliant on you know all these other establishments, if you will. Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, this is the last one. What set of items could you buy that would make the cashier the most uncomfortable? You know, I got, I, I don't know, Steve, is, is, this is in your wheelhouse, but mostly for me is so, some type of foot care products. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. playing soccer, my feet get kind of beat up, so. You know, I'd be having the heel balm and the antifungals. You know, yeah. they kind of look at me a little little sideways, but, Bro, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Always great until I, when I used to play, till you start back playing and then that yep. foot come back in and yep. take your socks off and you everybody's looking around. Mm-hmm. Can't wear sandals nowhere. No, nope. you look like you got ugly toes, too. <laughs> well, I'm not going to lie. That's the, the genetics. <laughs> Yo, I got African. I'm Ghanaian. My family's Ghanaian, so you oh. know we our, our feet are just built for terrain. You know we we built we built to traverse lands, and that's not a bad thing. You know I've embraced it this time in my life. <laughs> oh man, I... traverse land feet. Right. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. There's so there's so many places I can go right there. But yeah. It, it, it may not be culturally relevant right it, now. No, nah, it get me in trouble. That's what. It's like. 
could be in trouble. So tell me, what's your full name and what does it mean? Okay, my full name, Charles Nana Kwabna Sapong. And um, run that back one more time. One more, yeah, run that back. Yeah, so Charles. No, nah, I nah. got that one. Charles was yeah. <laughs> Charles we wrote down. I've got that. Charles, what was after this? Yeah. <laughs> Charles. Oh god. Nah, nah, I got two because Nana nah is a nickname for nah, some yeah. of us. But yeah. Nah, yeah, Nana. Nah. Nah. Yeah, Nana. Nah. I get that one. That's simple. Now here's where I get tricked. <laughs> Kwabna. Kwabna. That's K W A B E N A. And that's um <laughs> that easy. I'm well, I'm not yet. And uh and then obviously Sapong at the end. Um the the Nana Kwabna, those those are my middle names. Um in my culture, my Ghanaian culture, the tribe that my family's a part of, you you put Nana in front of uh, a name when it's the firstborn. And then Kwabna, again, with my tribe, we have a specific set of names dedicated to each day that has its own element of the earth that it signifies as well. And that's where Kwabna comes in, born on a Tuesday, child of the earth. Um, and then Sapong is my, my father's last name. So you say child of the earth. Yes. You're talking about you, the, a study of plants. Is that intertwine with with your tribe and with your with your heritage you know i would say i would say it's it's more of a you know a genetic dna thing that kind of just manifested itself throughout my life because i never was into plants when i was younger i hated vegetables you know um but yes our culture really believes that the name that you're given has an effect on who you who you become so it's it's pretty interesting, I think. Well, since you you went there and softball pitched that for me, let me go ahead and hit that thing out of the park. Where are you from in a place you call home? That's Ghana in in West Africa. Yeah. Um, I, I I know you guys are familiar, might not be, but I am Africa. Familiar. I am familiar with Ghana. One of my okay. best friends is. A Ghanaian, and he is always bartering something. <laughs> See, that's yeah. You learned that. You learned that early, especially been, if you if you grow up out there. I I grew up. So, I took a missions trip, my first time ever going out of country, um, two thousand and eight, and I went. I went with a group of guys, and we went to uh, Togolome. And then we went to um, Nigeria. And you know where I'm going here because Togo is a French colony. Mm-hmm. Nigeria is an English colony. Mm-hmm. Where do we have to stop to go to, because we're on a budget, obviously, a, a, a missions trip. So we had to stop in Ghana. Oh, dope. And we spent a few hours in Ghana. And it was really cool. Um, to see that because I saw one, you know, I got to see the homeland of one of my best friends uh, who we met ninth grade. We're still friends to this day. That's dope. Right. To this day. But that's that, day one. The, but 
he also got me a, a Beckham jersey, but it cost me about five of my own jersey just for that one Beckham jersey. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure he bartered, he bartered one he bartered jersey you. for me and several jerseys for himself <laughs> and other guys. <laughs> That's how it works, bro. Yeah, I even get messages from cousins left and right to this day, man. You know, it, it is what it is. My, my fam, I guess kind of going back to, um, you know, the origin story, I, I have a large large, large family. My grandfather was a chief of his tribe. Um, and, you know, if you go back hundreds of years, uh, Africa, rather, you know, it wasn't countries, right? It was tribes. And as the Europeans came into Africa and infiltrated, uh, a lot of the tribes dispersed. But my my lineage is, uh, has ties to the Akan tribe, right? And they <laughs> believe in, you know, expanding or, or spreading the seeds far and wide. Um, to, <laughs> I, to I'm have, thinking about what you're putting down. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So I have what? I had 33 uncles and aunts. Yeah. I got many, many, many cousins. Man, I went wild story, actually. I, I, when I went to Ghana when I was 21, you know, I went out there, I'm out, out in the club with about five of my cousins, you know, I'm dancing, feeling good out there. You can just carry the bottles all around the club. And I see this a, a chick, you know, I'm like, oh, talking to my cousin, like, yo, who is that? Like, I'm trying to see what's up. Man's just like, yo, chill. That's your cousin. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, oh damn. All right. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> So they got, so they got kissing cousins right. in South Carolina, and they got kissing cousins in Ghana. Yeah. <laughs> we have to take a break, and more than anything, we got to pay some bills. Mm-hmm. You got checks. I love Cut To It, and I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media, too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook? Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com, where you can buy merch, and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers. Question, uh, I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it podcast.com. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? 
Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field. From free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 million black businesses initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. I remember that was one of the startling things is getting off the airport. Um, back, this, is, this is back then. You get off the airport and they tell you, um, like, sex trafficking, all mm. that stuff. They do not play. It's signs up there. And then that was the first time I really realized how dangerous it was. Mm-hmm. Dudes had AK-47s. Yep. In the, you get off the airport, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's a small airport, so you get off, like, literally, tarmac right there. You get off, and you walk in. And they're there with them. And they, and they also tried to get me, too, flying out. Mm-hmm. Oh, they tried to get me. They, uh, they had me go through a metal detector. But the metal detector was unplugged. <laughs> oh, God. And he was like, where's the American money? I'm like, man, I ain't got Oh, it. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, where's the... And he was holding my passport. Wow. And he said he wasn't giving me my passport. Man, I snatched my passport. <laughs> because I was on my way out, right? And I was, on a, I was on the road for, like, almost two weeks. I was ready to get home, right? You had, we had to, <clears throat> this is 2000 seven or eight mm-hmm. so you had the constant rolling blackouts at that time i had to i had a satellite phone because mm-hmm. international mm-hmm. Um, plans weren't there and i just was done i was done taking a shower with a bucket <laughs> right i i stayed because we was on a mission you trip, in so it. we you stayed you in star accommodations i wasn't at no star accommodations <laughs> right we had one time what we had for breakfast one egg baguettes this was in Togo, and tea. Mm-hmm. Bro, I had, I didn't even eat my toast. I didn't even eat my egg. I gave it to somebody else, and I, I just ate a baguette, mm-hmm. and I had unlimited tea. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was tough. And, oh. that, and that's what I really noticed and really realized 
how big the world is and how small we are. But I also noticed that if America didn't have as much financial influence, bro, we wouldn't be here. Because no. there's so many, there's so many more established, not even well off, but grimier countries that are just trying to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't even realize how lucky we have it here. In yeah, the absolutely States. right. And we got it. We get it twisted. We complain about being in line at a drive-through. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's our own privilege, right? Yeah. I mean, there's that's a hot button take right now. Is privilege on on either side? But yeah, we we. Yep. We do have our own privileges that, that we live in right now. So that's that's part of it. So you talk about your tribe. What is it? What Take us through what a tribe mentality is for family. Mm. Because I, I hate the stereotype, but watching television, right? And I had to see it for myself. Watching television, hearing about Africa, hearing about stuff. If your only understanding is when they play Shaka Zulu every yeah. year in the States right. is your perspective of, of Africa. Short, mm. man, short, your dumbass meter is, <laughs> is, is up there. Right. It's, it's, it's about 25 on the scale of one through five. Yeah. That's not really what Africa is about or what it stands for, right. how it even stands on its own two feet um, with each country. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm glad that you said that because it's a, uh, I, I, that is a offshoot of the serious programming that we as black people have gone through growing up in this country, but I'll, I'll save that for maybe later in this podcast. But when I talk about a tribe, right, it's better to envision, uh, your envision your neighborhood growing up, right? You had, you know, old uncle Timmy down the street, maybe he was drinking a lot, but you know, he always gave you a nice little bit of insight. You had your little homies that, you know, you knew where they lived, you rode your bikes there, you know, you ain't calling nobody, you ain't texting nobody. It's a tribe, a tribe is a communal group that had it dictates its own, I won't say laws, but they each have their roles within that tribe. And it's and it's set up so that that tribe that tribe's capacity grows with every individual. Okay, this person does the sewing, this person grows the food, this person does the exports with other tribes and, you know, dealing with treaties to ensure, again, that the capacity of their community continues to expand with every individual. Now, the the issue with that had happened in Africa is that when the white man came in, white man came in and you know, at first, obviously, it's a land that they didn't know. So they kind of, you know, uh, assimilated into the culture, they acted like they wanted to learn, they brought, you know, the different things from Europe that Africans didn't have. And slowly but surely, we got away from our own self sufficiency. So an interesting story with my particular tribe with my grandfather, he had a, a situation where the industrial revolution was taken over Europe, and he essentially got exposed to the white man, you know, with industrial parts. And he moved from agriculture based with, you know, with rice, grains and, and self-sufficiency to straight car parts, jet engines, like big factory type items. And while that actually 
helped us um, as a tribe, as a family, uh, grow in our financial potential. Like I said, it ripped us away from the things that we had known for generations. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> down the road, it actually ended up causing a lot of rifts because, you know, as that British pound started going in circulation, as opposed to <laughs> what you said, the old barter system, now the greed takes over, you know, and it's, it's a, it's a really crazy story how, um, the, you know, again, the programming of the white man kind of infiltrated my family's tribe. And, and to this day, we still have to deal with, you know, people going on land that, that we own and just European companies just building like premium homes. And, you know, it's not like out here where you can, <laughs> you know, go to court or, you know, send some order like out there is like yeah if you want this you better come and take it and you know that leads to a lot of a lot of stuff so will you go back um any um yeah i was just back in january how is your family's tribe and land and all that stuff right now yeah so based off of and this is interesting how it turned out so because my grandfather made that move to industrialize he actually ensured longevity within certain aspects of our family right like i said he had 33 kids he had five wives so the the order the hierarchical order exhausted yeah right um the the first you know my my mother's family was lower on the uh in, in terms of the chain of hierarchical order essentially what happened was the firstborns the secondborns from the other mothers yeah. ended up just through greed losing everything wow. whereas our family because it was little by little by little by little was very frugal kind of kept you know the little bit of land here the little lot there the little house there and we're able to slowly but surely build up to the point where now man when i go back like <laughs> we we live in good we're we're in the parts of africa that you're not going to see on tv you know we we still have family that chooses to live you know, a more simple life that's, you know, more in the village. And, you know, it, it was cool for me to be able to just go back and forth from like literally living better than I live here in America to having to drive two hours up the mountain and, you know, uh, hear the stories about walking three miles just to get water for the day, you know? So is that, is that real? Is oh, it, it's real, bro. Is it real <laughs> to, you know, walk in three hours to, to, to oh, water and it's real. You know, it is so real. And it's yeah, man. And it's kids too. You know, it's five, six year olds that are that are doing this. And but you know what's wild to me? It brings perspective because they're doing it with a smile on their face, man. You know, you spend the first five hours of your day just to uh, go to and from water, <laughs> and get then water right? just to get water, bro. And, and I mean, that's for, that's water for bathing. That's water for cooking. That's water to drink. It's, and I mean, these kids still do it with a smile on their face. And, you know, they're, I, I would argue that they're still happier than people that I know. I, I mean, I play soccer with dudes. I got money for days, but, you know, they walk in in the morning and you sense from their energy, like, damn dog, you, you're not happy. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's wild. Really growing up and being exposed to your tribe, how does that, how has that impacted, impacted you and shape how you see the world today? Mm. 
That's a great fucking question, bro. That's literally the reason I am who I am. You just got us a real good rating. (laughs) (laughs) But But here's what I love. Like, the fact that you are talking about tribe. We do a segment called Deep Three. I've changed my three questions now just based off what you said because I'm eating up everything that you're talking about culture you're talking about yeah. the stuff just real and, talk and heritage, I love, and heritage when i when mm-hmm. i'm I, i'm just gonna tell you i love to travel and i love the world right and this is a story that nobody really has heard i remember i grew up in la um i grew up poor and my grandma and grandpa built in to me and growing up in, in, in la they always you know, we grew up, I grew up in L.A. where a time where black and brown people were very dominant. And living in, in poverty, black and brown people are neck to neck, shoulder to shoulder, right, in, in L.A. And my grandpa used to always say, if you're going to come to this country, you need to speak our language. That was his stance on having some of the bilingual literature mm-hmm. uh, on buses, on billboards in our community. And I never really understood that. And then on the way back to the States, we stopped in Paris because we went through uh, Togo. And so we stopped in Paris. And at that time, I didn't really know travel. I went through like a month process to get my passport. And I remember sitting there. And so I was stopping in Paris and I'm with a buddy and, and, and um, no one's speaking English. And bro, my grandpa's words rang in my head. If you're going to be in our country, you gotta speak our language, mm-hmm. and I. Sh- it reminded me how small-minded yeah. I was, and how I didn't go anywhere. And so I was in, and being a light-skinned dude, I had a lot of people talking to me because they thought you mixed. I was mixed, yep. and so they were talking French to me. Brother, still figuring out English, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I was struggling. And I started to, and, and, and I, my wife took French, so she kind of was like, hey, babe, she recorded some words just to mm-hmm. say for me. And I, I, and soon as they realized, just off the respect, if you attempt to speak their language, bro, this is a part that pissed me off even more. Yeah. They speak five languages. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just Different fact, dialects. Yes, you know, yep. in fact, yep. you attempt. Man, they busting the English, and I'm looking at them with them evil <laughs> eyes like, you know, right? But yep. one of the cool things is... I, I was hearing my grandpa talk about other folks, but he was talking about me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he gave me that at that time. And it was really cool. And that's when I really started to, and I love traveling now. And with this virus, bro, when we start back traveling, hey, buckle up, buttercup, because <laughs> you, you I am You get your miles back. I'm getting my miles back. <laughs> Plus, um, I want to see- your miles. I want to see everything <laughs> because I don't know when the next time this yeah. we will not be able. And so- what I'm trying to say is, bro, you're allowing me to travel right now mm-hmm. into Africa and all these different parts. So for me, I'm about I want to know what the tribe like was. What yeah. is who is CJ, the soccer player that has now infiltrated the cut to a podcast? Mm-hmm. Give us yeah. a, give us an opportunity, brother. Take us on the Discovery Channel. Mm. hood version (laughs) of of really what it's like to play soccer but also what this man who's experienced and from a tribe of 33 plus 
And what, what, what do you bring to the table other than a nice jersey and a soccer ball and some grass and a net, right? Mm. And some yellow and yellow and red cards, man. I, I, want, I don't care how many goals you make. I want to know mm. about this man. I want to know about this tribe and, and what, what being from having a parents that you had, having a name that you had and coming from the tribe that you've come from. Mm. What are you going to give us today that can really speak to these young men and women that are sitting here going, I'm not from Ghana. I'm not from Togo, but I'm from here. Mm-hmm. And I need to know, can I make it? That's an amazing question. And I'm, I'm very glad that you asked that because this is the shit that people need to hear these days, man. You know, going, I'm a, I'm going to start backwards, right? You, you got all day playing. I put my seatbelt on. Hell yeah. So, so you were just talking about, you know, the indoctrination, if you will, that you went through with your grandfather, you know, saying, Hey, if you don't be here, you need to speak English. I actually hear that a lot from people, you know, from here, um, friends, you know, acquaintances, what have you. Um, But what I recognize through my African heritage, one, I didn't get to visit Africa. I visited Africa when I was six, but I didn't remember much. It felt like it was poor land, right? It just seemed, it was so different than America. And I, I was very resistant to it. Um, But definitely what I realized is here, the biggest thing that leads us to success I, I believe is perspective. I got perspective through the tribal culture that even though I, I didn't grow up in, in Ghana was in my household, right? So out of those 33 kids, my mother's mom had 11 of them, eight of them ended up within a 30 mile radius in fucking Northern Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, whether, when my mom was at work and you know, it's my aunt that's, that's uh, watching me. Or then it's my cousin that's watching me. And, you know, in, in African culture, well, Ghanaian culture, it don't matter who that that kin is to you, they can beat you, right? That, so, that's that mentality, yes. Yeah, that's that's North Carolina, too. Uh, <laughs> I got my butt whooped by some right, folks. Right, you know? You're missing a key part. How did y'all pick Ghana to Virginia? Like, the, you, I mean, how do you pick that? Because I, I have a friend here who does some stuff, man, you might've heard him, his name, Manny Ahome. He does uh, Samaritan's, uh, Samaritan's feet and they wash yeah. uh, feet, wash children's uh, feet and they serve God. And he got a scholarship to, I believe, South Dakota State or North Somewhere Dakota, some school. And I he, think it's South Dakota. I think South Dakota, right. he got a basketball scholarship off a freaking brochure. He had never been to South Dakota. So when he, that was the first time he saw snow. Yeah. So he got off the plane and I'm trying to figure, and now he lives in North Carolina. So I know his story, but how do how are you guys picking Ghana to Virginia? Because that seems, there's a, there's a lot of land between mm-hmm. Ghana and Virginia. Oh yeah. My, my mother, one, like I was saying, so one of eight that is all sisters too. My mother actually came to Virginia because two of her sisters had come to Virginia simply because it was close to D.C. They literally, in Ghana, was looking at a map and was like, oh, yeah, that's the capital? Ah, yeah, we want to go close to there. Hmm. So but my mom's two uh, older sisters came 
came to Northern Virginia, about 20 minutes outside DC, literally sent her their passport. Well, they, they each used one passport. Like my aunts look ridiculously alike, bro. It's kind of crazy. Um, so that's how for that today. <laughs> I know, right? That's how that's how different it was though. So my mom got to Virginia. She decided she wanted to be a nurse. She was stocking clothes at Ross uh, while she was in nursing school. Well, we'll leave that right there for a second. All the while, my father had uh, gotten a scholarship from his college in Ghana to do a master's program in Texas at Baylor University, computer science. So my dad, bless his heart, man, like old scholar, you know, I'm, I'm not quite a scholar, but there are a lot of, you know, the, uh, his qualities and characteristics that I've uh, taken uh, in my life that I think have really helped me to get to where I am today. So he graduated, boom, first job he gets is at the Federal Reserve in Washington, D.C. Oh. So he moves to D.C. So my parents met each other here. They didn't even meet in wow. Ghana. Yeah. Because I was going to, I was going to, I was trying to figure that out. You know, and and not step in the, you know, step in the ignorant bucket, right? And go, hey, were your parents, you know, <laughs> arranged marriage, right? Did anything? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I, because I, like I said, man, this is discovery for me. It's Discovery Channel. I, I want to be able to ask ask you the dumb question, and it'd be okay that it was a dumb question. But there's there's not a lot of people I roll with or I know. That's from a tribe. That that tribe uh, is in their DNA. Or that, just knowing that. Stuff. Yes, because just even, knowing that history. Even because I would say on the other end of this, of this it, table is because this me. brother's from Lexington, North Carolina. But it, it ain't it, nothing. There's but, a lot of kissing cousins <laughs> and all that. He would have kissed his cousin in the club. No. <laughs> but but the, but alone but along that route, I can say that we did the whole ancestry.com thing maybe in 08. Mm -hmm. and I didn't know my family's history at all. My mom did. And what we end up finding out is that my great, great, great grandmother, I believe, was a slave named Margaret that came from Africa. That's all I know. Mm. That's where my family stops. And so to hear this brother, CJ, talk about the tribes, yeah. Ghana, what's it like there, like all this, I mentioned it before, heritage that he has. Yeah. I'm damn near jealous. Super jealous. Because he knows his identity. He knows his identity. And you picked Virginia to come from Ghana. Margaret was brought here through the slave trade, yeah. ported through Charleston, South Carolina, yeah. and we make land in Gaffney, South Carolina before coming to Lexington, North Carolina, but it's through the slave trade. So just being able to hear that type of history and that kind of heritage and that story for me, I'm I'm giddy because he knows the other side. Mine's, mm -hmm. my, my family stump starts in Charleston, but he has this rich heritage mm. of tribes. Deeply of, rooted. Deeply rooted. So, man, I'm, I'm, I'm and all in this. And, yeah. and you being on our podcast, you're watering yeah. and making your roots even deeper because you know. We, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly on both sides. My mom is one of 13. Well, first I'll say, y'all are part of a tribe as well. You know, this might be a little controversial, but the tribal nature, the tribal culture is the reason why our people were pinpointed as, you know, profit, as profitable. The resilience, the strength, the courage, the connection that comes from a tribe is something that the white man saw and said, okay, boom, I'm going to use this for my profit. Mm. That's why 
they brought them here. They brought us here. You know, agriculture, whether it's cotton, whether it's hemp, whether it's corn, we was the rice. We was the ones growing it because they didn't know how to, right? So they had us come here, set all the infrastructure up. They sat there, you know, yes, they, they threw the whip and they slowly but surely learn and learn and learn and just oppress us. And, and that's the reason why they went to such tactics, you know, in the slave, slave times to really emasculate the men and, and desensitize the families because they realized the strength of the tribe. They realized the strength of the family, you know. Um, and while it's sad and interesting enough, this allows me to kind of uh, put a little point of emphasis on when I first got on the call because, you know, I answered and I said, oh, living the dream. And, and Stevie was like, man, this shit's a nightmare. And it is. I ain't going front. It is. However, when I look at that, and yes, it is, it does come from me having, you know, or being privy to the knowledge of my identity. When I hear all the atrocities that have happened to my people, when I go to Ghana and I see the castles that they set up along the coast to move my people across the water just so they could use them, you know, I realize why. It's because of the strength and the beauty within my DNA. I think it's about that time. Just uh, take a little breather. Good do it. Good do it. Let's get down to it. Good do it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But, yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises, or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you talk right. about castles on the coast, holding my people, 
dumb it down and simplify it to to people who have you know who've or, never I mean, been anywhere who who don't mm. know what you're referring to who 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 have been living under a rock and mm. have no idea what you're talking about oh yeah all right so picture this i'm i'm a 21 year old uh african american fairly successful in america he's going to his native land to to learn and you know quite frankly did not know what he was getting himself into so I spend the first couple of days with the fam in the city, downtown, good vibes, all that. So you, you live in, you've, you, right now you've traveled to Ghana. You live I traveled in, to Ghana. I'm in Accra, Accra, you, the capital. So you living in a, you, you are living a fake life of your family history right now on their, yes. on your homeland. Yes, exactly. Not, not, some, not some homeland somebody told you. But you have yeah. lineage, actual homeland, homeland, yeah. where they're from. and you living in this fake life mm -hmm. based exactly. on what you're about to go into. Yep. Okay. Yep. Continue. I just had to make sure. I, I yep. Yeah. You got it. You got right. it. You okay. got it. All right. So uh, one of my cousins. Um, well, name? I had looked up name? a spot. Name of the cousin. Actually, uh, his name is Kwabna. <laughs> oh, what's What's his American name? Cubby. Okay. Cubby. See. Black folks yeah. always got a nickname. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ghana, North Carolinian. You got a nickname somewhere, buddy. You got a nickname, damn Right. <laughs> Yo. So um, I told them, you know, I, I heard of this spot called Cape Coast. Um, I saw some stuff on, on a, <laughs> it was Wikipedia at that time. Uh, I, I want to check it out. He said, all right, bet. We'll, we'll go. I think two days later, we, we set up, because it's a trip. It's like two hours from the capital. So we set up our supplies, you know, we start driving within 30 minutes, the, the asphalt changes to dirt, you know, <laughs> Get so, dusty. yeah, everything's getting dusty. There's certain areas of the road where you literally have, you can't drive more than 10 miles an hour or you will get stuck, you know? Um, and I'm just on this like pilgrimage, if you will, man. And, uh, you know, two hours later, you start to see the water. The air starts, you know, smelling nice, smelling salty. Uh, but then I also, the first thing I notice is, damn, the Africans here is hella white-skinned. <laughs> didn't, didn't think any... Why are you, why I, you judging I, me right now, right. dog? <laughs> you know, I didn't think anything of it at the mo at the time, bro. Like, I, I just remember, like, looking, I said, wow, these, this cast is white-skinned, boy. Like, <laughs> all right. Wasn't what you um, expected. You weren't expecting to see someone out there like skin. Nah, right? not even, not even. But um, I learned later, you know, I, so we get to the coast and uh, I think we were at the Portuguese castle. Um, you get there and you're like, damn, like, okay, what's going on here? Um, you know, I had known it was European cast, uh, a European castle and it was there for the slave trade, but I had not no idea what was in there. I had no idea like the, the history behind it, the shit that was going on in there. And so we get out, we literally cross a drawbridge into this shit. And I mean, I got hit, bro. I with I I believe it's a it's a DNA thing, right? I believe my people in my lineage because they had to uh, experience such such trauma like in a way it has passed down to me. Cause I walk in this spot and I feel weak in the knees. Mm -hmm. I feel anxious, you know, and, and in every corner, you know, there's some bit of information, you know, letting you know, okay, this is where, for instance, 
where they held the slaves. Like there's a, there was a dark line. It literally, it was up to around my hip and I'm six foot tall. That's where the pee and the feces was stacked in the same room that they held the slaves. Mind you, this is their land, right? They came, Europeans came on their boats. They didn't even go inland first. <laughs> they started building right away, built the castle. Said, oh, hey, guys, we're here. We just want to learn. Like, you guys seem so cool. Like, hey, look, here's this. Like, it's from where we're from. What do you have? You know, and it, and it talks about how slow and methodical they were in learning how to, they didn't know how to make rice. You know, they didn't know how to fucking be uh, uh, covered from the sun. Like, yeah, they could, you know, be in their dwellings. But whenever they try to leave, like, sunburn out the ass. We're giving them different types of herbs to help with that. Mm. While all along, they're setting up this castle. They got cannons on there to, that are facing the land or facing the water and the land. Just in case, you know, the, the convoy comes for them or some shit. Um, you know, I got to read the, and this is where the, the light skin thing comes in. Uh, they said it was wild how the, the masters, the white men, would just rampantly rape the women and that they actually had a, a, a lot of um, anecdotal evidence that showed that these white men were lusting so much over the African women, like were literally had an insatiable thirst for them where they would go, they would every single day, yeah, every single day they would go into the, the quarters that they were holding them and they would just pick out the litter, just pick each one every day, multiple times a day. Hence why all the people in this region are light-skinned. <laughs> I was like, oh, I get it now. I get it. How are you feeling while you're experiencing all of this at the same time with that landscape of telling you that one of your 33 was possibly captured and raped? one of the 33's friends were captured and possibly raped and, and, and held captive against their will on the land that your family fought for, fought other tribes for, died for. Hell, there were men and women died out in the heat on, you know, serving and cultivating that land to be able to provide for their, for their children for generations. Yeah, man, that's the hardest part. It's like I said, it it was super emotional from the jump. Um, but I think the biggest one that got me was um, not just the the way that they treated the the women, um, but also learning that the the tactics, right? Like they would put tribes against each other. You know, tribes that were in prosperity for hundreds of years, and then you know. I don't know if you understand the term false flag, but like, yeah. you know, sent, they'll get four or five of, you know, some, some men from one tribe and give them women, give them alcohol, let them shoot a gun and tell them, hey, now you're going to go do that to that tribe that you've been chilling with for the last hundred years. Right. And oh, yeah, if you don't, we're going to cut your nuts off or we're going to go get your wife or we're going to go get your daughter, you know, and, and like the, the way they... Because they were scared, like the white man. The white man was still so scared of us that they 
didn't, they weren't the ones, uh, you know, pulling the trigger all the time. It was literally them uh, brainwashing and, and coercing our own people to fight against each other. That, that one for me is the biggest one. And the anger and the, the hatred and obviously the triggers from, you know, the different type of racist, mo- I won't say racist, but like moments of systemic injustice uh, that I had already transpired by the time I was 21. It's like, it, it put me in a dark place for a while, for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I was able to use that as an opportunity to recognize while, you know, as I did the deep dive into this history and this information, it, it gave me the uh, opportunity to realize, well, hey, why else would they have done this? And it, it was for for them, it was such a fear that, God damn, we sitting over where we're at thinking we running things. And then you come here and these they don't have carriages. They don't have uh, all the cool things we have. And yet they're prosperous. Yeah, if we don't get them right now, they're going to get us. Talking about that dark place, how do you, after experiencing everything you experienced, 21 years old, you know, we skipped a lot. We'll go back to it. But how do you not become racist based off that small information? That, And I say small because you just got a, a morsel of information, but it hits you like an earthquake because it was your, it's your family and, yeah. and you get to see your history. How do you not walk around? Bitter, res- resentful. Yeah, resentful and kind of, it's like, and the reason I say that is, uh, you, you know, you, sometimes you go to movies when they were open, you see movies about history and you walk out of there and sometimes they're always you angry. Happy. Yes. Uh, just mm-hmm. to, the, to the point, right? you, you get angry. You there's, do. there's certain movies that are triggered. Like you go, man, and they're say what? Based on? Yeah. Based on true story, based on historical facts. Mm-hmm. And if you happen to be of that culture, yeah. you can't just walk out and go, that was a great movie. Yeah. You go, man, <laughs> that's some bull crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how, how, did you, how did it not sour your taste about people that were not of your descent, that were, not, that were a lighter color skin than you? Yeah, the the short answer is it it did it. It made me very bitter. It made me very racist for a little bit there. And mm-hmm. I think it's a process. That's the thing that even in this time now, we gotta allow ourselves to heal from past trauma, man. Mm-hmm. We can't be sitting here like, oh, all of a sudden we gonna be above and beyond, you know, the the trauma that's been that our our people have transpired for it's, it's generational trauma. Yeah. yeah, bro. So I what. Fortunately for me, I was able to find success through the sport I played, which allowed me to recognize that even in all the, you know, systemic issues that are, are, are out here, when I ball hard, y'all respect me. Now, that's not a good, that's not good by any means, but through that, through that confidence, through that uh, feeling of value, I was able to find Honestly, bro, it's swag. Like, that's something that Black people, we just got swag. We got energy. We got spice. We got sauce. And these are things that I think I used, and I, and I really engulf, uh, engulf myself in that energy because I saw how uncomfortable it made people that are not my race. 
And so that was my subtle FU to them is I would walk down, you know, campus, a, a college with 4% black people. I'll walk down, my headphones is on loud. Yes, I'm rapping Lil Wayne. And yes, I'm saying the curse words. And yes, my head is hella high. Yes, I'm stopping and dancing. And they'll look like, oh, who is this? What is he doing? And like the fact that in a place where I'm 4%, that y'all, the 58 to 60 to 70 percent are getting uncomfortable or the you know i'm the one of two black guys in the party and y'all uncomfortable that i'm here bet hell yeah because i do have power over you it's 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 a mind thing at that point and it and obviously that was backed with the actual knowledge of my people and the identity that i had anytime i went home and understandings of self-sufficiency and knowing that okay now i can be uh, I can't walk around with my chest held high and not worry so much about how I'm viewed because I don't need that job that only the white man can give me, right? I don't need that, uh, uh, and this goes to if I was to have, you know, my own self-sufficient type of agricultural setup. I don't need uh, to hit, hit Walmart every week to continue to give the white man money, you know? I know my people have this in my DNA. I know that I can learn these skills these res get uh, these resources, this knowledge that I can then pass on to my family for generations to come. We have to stop right there. Uh, CJ's story only gets more interesting. It, it was just so much in there. We had to break it up. I'm trying to be respectful of your time. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Steve. We heard about CJ's heritage. Yes. And what do you know about yours? I know a lot. No, just uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, quickly. My heritage is uh, on my dad's side, Smith. Um, <clears throat> we were a, a family born and raised in Louisiana. Uh, they were blacksmiths. On a uh, were slaves, and were free, and uh, went to Texas. And uh, to in Texas became was forced back into slavery um, and had to fight, became a Buffalo soldier, Mm -hmm. had to fight and uh, in the war, uh, I believe the Civil War. And in that Civil War, we fought, became free. um, And then my family moved uh, to Monterey, California, where my uh, great, great, great grandfather moved to Monterey, California started several churches, uh, started the NAACP of Monterey. Wow. Uh, planted about four or five churches. <clears throat> My great-great-great-grandmother um, was considered the first lady, and um, and my grandfather, uh, great-great-grandfather, who was a Buffalo soldier, is actually in the, uh, enshrined in the Smithsonian. That is cool. And, um, and so that's my history uh, on my... Uh, on my dad's uh, side, my family at the time, my family, some of my other family, they went actually to the to the property in Louisiana and and, and toured the grounds, and it was really cool uh, to see. And so we did a, they they got the experience doing. I was in training camp, uh, still playing at the time, but they went and back and um, went and toured the grounds and and saw everything. Mm. Um, and we did it. They we did it as a 
family reunion. It was pretty cool. Um, I got pictures and all that stuff, so it was really cool to to get to experience it. And I still have the uh, paperwork in my house, and I look back. And so that history was pretty awesome. Um, and what was really cool about that is um, also in my family history is my boys, my generation, my kids are all named after. So my oldest son, Peyton, my first name, Stevan, is his one of his middle names. Um, Boston, his middle name is Gene, which is my wife's dad's middle name, which is um, my father-in-law's dad's first name. Um, and then, obviously, uh, Deuce is named after me. Um, so uh, we have started that um, every boy in our family with, you know, my three boys would be named not after me, but named after another man in our family that holds significance. My wife's father does hold some significance because he taught me how to tie a tie. He wasn't my father. Um, my dad is in my life, but my dad um, taught me some things. Um, my dad's name is Steven, and my name is Steven. Um, so just my boys know when they have boys that they are to name it after someone in our family of significance. It doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be my dad, but somebody else. Uh, so I think that's very unique and, and want to keep that tradition that I've started. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Royalty in your DNA. A little bit. A little bit. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr. That is me. Is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team Wesley Robinson and John Show. From Balto Creative Media, Cut To It is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter with production assistance by Alex Labreck. Production manager Sarah Pollock. Theme music by Alex Johnson. Lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.